You're listening to Speaking to Influence, communication secrets of the C-suite. Do you want to speak with confidence and authority, have more influence, and get bigger and better results? Whether you're a top executive, an entrepreneur, or climbing the career ladder, this is the show for you. A leader who wants to inspire others and leave a lasting legacy. Now here's your host, world-renowned TEDx speaker, author, and executive communication coach, Dr. Laura Sokola. Welcome to the podcast, Speaking to Influence, Communication Secrets of the C-Suite. I'm Dr. Laura Sokola, your host, founder of Vocal Impact Productions, and author of Speaking to Influence, Mastering Your Leadership Voice. I have an announcement today. I don't normally share this, but because it happens to fall on the day when I knew this would, when I'd be speaking to all of you, I'm going to share that today is my birthday. And I wanted to talk about a kind of a different topic for the kind of things we normally address here. I want to talk about presents, gifts, because one of the questions I've been hearing a lot from family and friends is, what do you want for your birthday? And it hit me that gifts are such a personal statement. They're such an expression of appreciation for others that they're a nonverbal means of communication that often require some verbal communication in order to make sure that the intention is received and appreciated and that what is given conveys what we want it to convey, that the person who receives it really does it truly like it. Because a gift is you know, there's so many reasons that we give gifts, right? Personally or professionally. I mean, on the personal level, we give gifts for birthdays, for anniversaries, just as a thank you. We give New Year's gifts, Christmas gifts, gifts for a bar or bat mitzvahs, graduations, weddings, or sometimes just because. Saw this and thought of you. Wanted to do this for you. You can also professionally give people gifts. And a gift, of course, doesn't have to be a thing necessarily. The gift is a symbol. It's a symbol of acknowledgement or a symbol of appreciation. And we can give them even in the workplace for as a means of congratulating somebody. Maybe they were the top salesperson of the month or the quarter. Maybe the whole team exceeded the projections or you individually or collectively solved a huge problem or you finished a project under time or under budget or you just wanted to thank someone for their volunteer efforts. Maybe they got a promotion or they've hit that jubilee point of retirement. But I want you to think that when you're giving a gift, what is it you're actually trying to communicate? Because the gift, the thing or the action somehow does have meaning to it. What meaning do you want to give to it? And what meaning will it give to somebody else? What meaning will the receiver interpret from it? Is it the meaning that they will appreciate most? Now, of course, we're all familiar with the expression, well, it's the thought that counts. And that is beautiful. And that is something that we have to be aware of often if we don't get a gift that we particularly love. We've all gotten the metaphorical or literal pair of socks for Christmas or something that maybe is not what we were really hoping would be under the tree. But nevertheless, when we're giving the gift, we want to put the right kind of thought and effort into it because it's not just about having that person look at us and say, well, it's the thought that counts. You know, we went through the effort of giving the gift, so we want it to bring joy. Isn't that what really giving a gift is about? We want to make the person happy. We want them to like what we're giving them. And that's the purpose of giving the gift. So we really want to figure out how to identify what to give 
where our intention for giving it is received and appreciated and that they actually like the thing that we've given to them. And a lot of people are afraid of making a mistake. So they may actually do nothing just so that they don't get it wrong. And, you know, okay, I appreciate the not wanting to really fumble something, but I think we are all beyond the point of just feeling like, well, I don't want to make a mistake, so I'll do nothing. Because honestly, nothing is an action unto itself. And some people will interpret that in different ways. So frankly, you might as well try something a little bit more explicit. So how do we do that effectively? Let's aim higher than just not failing, not screwing up. Let's aim for actually trying to bring that joy to someone else. So when thinking about how to give a gift, we tend to approach it from the perspective of that golden rule, right? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. The challenge, of course, is that they may not always want what you would want in that situation. So we really have to go more into what a lot of people will refer to as the platinum rule, which is to do unto others as they would like you to do unto them. What is it that they would like to receive? What is it that would make them feel appreciated, feel acknowledged? It may be much more, much less than you actually think it's going to be. And you know, of course, the challenge is that if you give the gift in your language, so to speak, the kind of gift you would want, but it's not what they want, then your intentions aren't understood. That's demoralizing for you. And then the person who is receiving what your gift is in one way, shape, or form, and a gift is not always in a box, they don't even know that they got a gift. They don't even know that they were appreciated. They may be so blind to be like, why did she say that? Or what did he do that for? Or what was this thing that he handed me? They don't even realize that was the intention of showing them appreciation, acknowledgement, respect, gratitude, etc. And at that point, you both feel unappreciated. So again, we want to go way beyond just making sure to not be negative or misinterpreted. We want to make sure it's a home run. We want to make sure it's a success and both people leave feeling like the exchange was something that brought them closer together, that strengthened your relationship. And there's a couple of books out that I think are really useful tools in considering how to do this effectively, how to communicate the language of gift giving, both in the personal realm and family, home life, et cetera, and in the workplace. And the first book that you may be familiar with is, and if not, we're going to do a quick run through here. It's called The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. And I want to take a moment to go through what those five different kinds of quote unquote love languages are and try to figure out which one you speak most fluently, which one you are most unproficient in, and then thinking in terms of who you try to give gifts to, who you try to show love or show appreciation toward, and Hmm, what might their language be that you never really thought about? But then when you start hearing about the categories, you go, oh, that explains dot, dot, dot. And now if it's in the professional realm, in the workplace, there is a book for that too, that helps take those five love languages and apply them in a less lovey, romantic, or, or familial space. And that was also by Gary Chapman, and Paul White, and it's called The Five Languages of Appreciation at Work. Again, either the five love languages or the five languages of appreciation at work. And it's really about identifying the gap between what you want to give someone, 
versus what they'd prefer to receive or what they'd even recognize as a gift in the first place. And of course, how to close the gap. So how do you acknowledge another person? How do you appreciate them? So let's go through the five categories and how they apply both in the personal and professional realms. So the first category is words of affirmation. The simplest ones are words like, I love you, or thank you, telling people what you appreciated about them, or merely that you appreciate them. The verbal statement of recognition, either in private or in public, often is all people really want. They just want you to say thank you. They just want you to recognize you put in a lot of extra time in this. You really did a great job. But it's sometimes not just about the perfunctory thanks, but the more specific you can be, the more powerful the words become. It's not about being effusive, but about being just clear on exactly what you're thanking them for, what you appreciate. Is it that they went above and beyond in doing something, or maybe they went a little out of their way and inconvenienced themselves to help you? Is it that they just, frankly, they remembered the fact that they remembered it was your birthday or that they remembered that your kid was applying to college and you wanted to check in, thanking them for asking how the application process was going. Those little things, it could be the attention to detail, the quality control, dotting the I's and crossing the T's. The more specific you can be, the more credible the thanks becomes. It's not perfunctory. It's detail-oriented and specific. And they like that, frankly, too, because then they know what you look for in the future. If you specifically appreciated the fact, not how much time they took, but the quality of the product they created, okay, then they know that you look for quality. That helps them later on in trying to continue to impress you or to do something that you will appreciate. Now, what's interesting is that I always thought that, look, I'm a linguist, I'm a communications person, blah, blah, blah. So I kind of assumed that when I read the five categories initially, that that would be my primary. But the more I read about it, the more I realized that, yes, and of course, we all appreciate all of the languages to varying degrees. But words of affirmation isn't my primary motivator. But it is actually one that is my husband's primary, one of his. So he's much more explicit, much more overt in expressing his feelings and sharing with me how much he loves me and appreciates me. And of course, I say it to him too, but he's much more effusive. And I don't mean that in a negative way, but just much more forthcoming with that kind of language. And I appreciate it and I share it, but not to the same extent. And one thing that we do do in our relationship, in our marriage, we're constantly thanking each other for small things. Hey, thanks for making dinner tonight. Thanks for doing the dishes. Thanks for taking our son to school in the morning. Thanks for doing the laundry, uh, you know, folding it after it's done, whatever it happens to be. And it's not perfunctory and it's not obligatory. It's just part of our routine. So we always feel acknowledged. And it just is a nice little, what the Japanese might call a social lubricant of sorts. And we just always know that people are recognizing our efforts, not people in general, but that we are recognizing each other's efforts. And it's just a nice default way of being for us. Now, in the workplace, some employees might love the affirmation of just a private thanks. And some might want that thanks to be public. They may want to be mentioned on a conference call or in a team meeting in front of a dozen or a hundred people. But for others, that could be torture. There are some people who absolutely hate the spotlight. It's all they can stand just to be thanked. They want to be thanked, but then they want to appreciate that and then turn and leave. They get uncomfortable with too much attention, much less public attention. And somebody may 
appreciate an email that goes out to the group saying, hey, happy birthday to this person or thanks to this person for whatever the particular effort was or success they're celebrating, et cetera. And others may feel like, oh, God, please don't, please don't, please don't tell everybody else about this because I don't want all of them writing to me. I don't want all of them talking to me in the hallway. No, it's too much public attention. I don't want the spotlight on me. Let's me feel like that's not spotlight. It's just acknowledgement. It doesn't matter what your definition is. If you're trying to give the gift to someone else, identify what their definition is. So number one is words of affirmation. Category number two, or love language number two, language of appreciation number two, is about quality time. And that's another thing where you have to identify the other person's definition. What is quality time for them? Doing what? With whom? When? For my husband, he's very happy watching television. If we can sit down and watch a movie together, to him, that's quality time. I don't mind that, but I'd rather do something that does not require the television, practically anything, frankly. So whether we're going to play a board game, go for a walk, sing karaoke, and yes, we do actually have a karaoke machine, and it's it's a fun thing to do from time to time. If you haven't tried it, don't knock it yet. It's a lot of fun. You just can't take yourself too seriously, or frankly, let anybody else hear. <laughs> but it is fun. You know, but that's my idea, more of quality time. A nice long dinner together with the family or brunch on Sundays, that's quality time for me. So in the workplace, perhaps it may be about, maybe you want to give someone the opportunity on their birthday to go home early or come in late. If it's a Friday, the team did well, they worked a lot of longer hours, you're going to give them a half day off. For some people, they may love that freedom, do what they want. And for others, they may be like, why are you making me go home? I got stuff I want to do. That's uncomfortable. I can't leave when there's all these other things I'd rather get done before I leave. And then I can relax over the weekend. Maybe it's not about just time off. Maybe it's about spending time with you or time with the team. Is it a virtual lunch? Is it that we're, you can bring your own, you're on your end of the Zoom call, they're on theirs, but you're going to spend that time with them or a 30-minute coffee. Or maybe it's just a 30-minute advisory meeting, a 20-minute laser coaching call of some sort where you want to give that person some one-on-one attention that you think they would appreciate, some guidance, some support, some Make an introduction to somebody and have some 10-minute call there. And it may be something like for your team, it could be a fun activity for everybody to do together, or it could be a bonding activity to help do some team building. That could be quality time for some people. What is the nature of the activity? Well, that's up to you. Category number three is actual tangible physical gifts. This is my least strong love language. I just don't need to open a box. I'm fortunate. I know I'm extremely blessed. I'm privileged. I have everything I could want. I don't need for anything. I like stuff, don't get me wrong. And there are plenty of things, you know, I'm on Amazon buying stuff for myself and whatever else. I, it's not, but I just don't need to unwrap a gift or open an envelope. My mother-in-law, in contrast, whom I love dearly, she has a hardcore philosophy that took me a little while to realize. It wasn't until a few years into our marriage that you know I realized she would always go over the top at Christmas and bring me a big gift bag full of a dozen little presents that she had found for me, thought I might like, whether it was a soap or a piece of jewelry or something that was something for my desk, whatever it was. Sometimes they were fun, sometimes silly, sometimes just useful, a particular sink sponge that she discovered that she liked. But the idea was she wanted me to have all those little presents. And I kept saying, you know, mom, you don't have to go through all this trouble for me. And she said, oh, don't be silly. Mothers deserve to open presents. And I thought to myself, okay, well, 
that was really telling because what it told me was that that's her love language. She likes to give presents to open because she wants to receive them. And her boys, my husband and my brothers-in-law, they always give her gift certificates to restaurants that she likes so she can go and have friends. And that actually goes back to the quality time piece. They're giving her quality time and it is a present, but she really wants to open a present. She wants to open a box. She wants wrapping paper. That's that extra icing on the cake that makes the gift feel special and just a, a little extra sparkly for her. So now I go out of my way, not out of my way crazy, but you know, I make a little extra effort to get her a couple of gifts that can be put in a box, regardless of whatever else we were going to get her. We put stuff in the bag so that she's got little things to physically open and she gets all excited about it. She's like a kid. She and my, and my five-year-old can sit there together and open their presents on Christmas. And she's just excited, if not more so than he is. So what kind of gifts can you give somebody? It could be as simple as a gift certificate, whether it's something as generic as Amazon that just says, here, this is for you. Go buy whatever else you want to make yourself happy. Uh, could be to a bookstore, could be to a restaurant, to a spa, to a cafe. It could be something for Starbucks or maybe a service like giving somebody the gift of house cleaning. And that actually overlaps also with quality time. Because if you give them the gift of house cleaning, they don't have to do it. They get that time back for themselves that Saturday afternoon or whatever it would have been. Now, maybe it's something a little bit more physical like jewelry or a plaque or a pen or some other kind of token. I have a friend, God lover, every year for Christmas and for Mother's Day, she sends me something that includes a scented candle or incense or some other air freshener, something or other candles. Maybe it's a hint. I don't know. But I know that in her house, she loves them. I don't do scented stuff. I cook. I like when my house smells like food. I like when my house smells clean. But I can handle candles or soaps that have the like fresh smell, cotton or linen or something like that. I can deal with that. But uh, I don't want stuff that smells like flowers or sugar cookies or the faux French toast. What I can't stand artificial, sweet, scented stuff that just permeates my house. I don't like it. And I didn't realize that it was going to become a trend after it happened. And now I kind of don't know how to have the conversation with her to say, okay, I'm Okay, anything but. And so now, of course, I realize that she loves those things. So I give them to her. And I confess, I end up kind of regifting those to other people who like them. So they do come in useful and they do make somebody else happy. And I appreciate the gift. I appreciate the thought that she went through to pick out something that she thought was super nice and wanting to give that to me. It's the thought that counts. But it'd be nicer if it was something that I could use at the same time. And then, because I wouldn't want to give it to somebody and have them only think, well, it was the thought. You know, you don't want to waste the money, waste the time. You want it to bring the complete degree of joy that it's supposed to bring. The fourth is what's referred to as acts of service. And acts of service is my primary love language or language of appreciation. And it's the idea of going out of your way, not massively burdensome, but that you take the effort to do something nice for someone. It's about giving them the time and the effort with or without them to help or to give them something special. So for me, I will help friends with resumes. I'll give them advice about how to set up their cameras and how to be good on video. I cook for people. I'm the person who, if I know you're sick, I will make a batch of soup and drive it over to your house, uh, quite literally. At church, I'm the person who volunteers with the food ministry, and I make casseroles for one of the local homeless shelters. Um, that's me. That's my way that I show love 
to people. Something that was super powerful for me when my son was born and we had him baptized, part of the service, there's usually a, they will call it a blanket, sometimes more like a bib or something that they'll drape over the baby upon baptizing them. And that's kind of what I was expecting, a little trinkety bib of some sort. But instead, they brought out this beautiful two foot by two foot knit wool blanket that was clearly handmade. It was beautiful artistry, this white blanket that they put over the baby as he was being baptized. And I thought to myself, oh my gosh, Like, there's another ministry, another group at this church who just makes these blankets. And I did ask about it afterward. And I was so touched that there's some group of people who spend some of their free time knitting these blankets, knowing that there's going to be a baby who's going to need one. And it's their version of giving to the community and welcoming a new member into the community. And I just thought that effort is so beautiful. They don't know who it went to. They don't know when it'll be used. They just wanted to give that knowing. And so I knew that somebody out there loved me, loved my family. It went straight to my heart, absolutely went straight to my heart. So that hits me. Another one that I was amazed at when I moved a couple of years ago out of my apartment and you know, got married and we moved into the house, trying to pack up my apartment by myself was oh, a miserable experience, as I'm sure you can imagine. And I had a friend, I was getting closer to the end, but I just felt like this is never ending. And I was talking to her and she said, okay, I'll tell you what, on Saturday, my afternoon is free. I'm going to give you four hours. We'll pack up whatever's there. We'll clean up whatever is necessary. I can't promise we're going to finish, but I'm going to give you four hours. My jaw hit the floor. And I thought, oh my gosh, really? Because there's nothing more awful <laughs> than packing and cleaning a place after you've packed it up. And so I was so touched that she would be willing to do that for me. That went straight to my heart. That's my love language. You know, I have to laugh because it's not my husband's love language. There are certain things he likes to do. But, you know, at Christmas, he asked me this past time, you know, well, hon, what would you like for Christmas? And usually what that means is buy whatever you want. And when it arrives, I'll wrap it for you and we'll put it under the tree. And I know he just wants me to get whatever I want. He wants me to be happy. He wants me to like whatever it is. And he trusts that I'll pick out what I like better than he will. He doesn't want to make that mistake. And at one point I said to him, you know what? Again, remember, I don't really need a bunch of boxes. That's not important for me. So I said, you know what? I would just like one item. I don't care what it is, but I want you to pick something out for me. I don't care if it costs $10. I don't care if it's something that fits in the palm of your hand. I don't care if it's edible. I don't care if it's wearable. I don't care if it's decorative. I want you to just think about something that you think I'd like and to put that thought into it. Now, the look on his face when I said that was kind of like somebody hit him with a Mack truck. <laughs> like that was way more complicated. That guy struck fear in the hearts of men, but he did it. And a couple of days later, he came to me and he said, hey, would you want to see a show? Theaters are opening again. We used to love to go to see musicals together. And I said, yeah, you know what? That would be great. We'll have a date night. Let's find out what's playing in the next couple of months downtown, and we'll go see a show together. That'll be a great date night. Perfect idea. He came up with it. You know, we scheduled it together because we had to you know, do all the logistics and things. But nevertheless, he came up with it, and that's what I wanted. I wanted that effort. Okay, so moving on to the fifth and final love language or language of appreciation and of course, this one is a little bit more complicated when it comes to the workplace, but in particular, the fifth love language is about physical touch, non-sexual physical touch. So physical touch in a personal environment or a personal relationship could be about holding hands, 
giving a back rub, foot rub, could be giving a hug, could be a, a kiss on the cheek or otherwise stroking someone's hair. If it's in the workplace, a handshake is physical touch. And it could be a hug depending on the nature of the person and relation. You know, again, I don't want to get into that kind of stuff, but you know, if your workplace is, if you have colleagues with whom you have a hugging kind of relationship, handshakes are always safe. In the virtual world, of course, it's near impossible, but even things like the, you could pop up an emoji of a hug, an emoji of a fist bump. Those are things that just let people know you want, or put your fist actually up to the camera so and let them put theirs up too so that you're kind of mock fist bumping with each other. Those kinds of things can show people at least, I know what you want. I wish I could give you a hug. I wish I could shake your hand. If we were there, here's an IOU. Now, with all of that, the question that really arises out of it, now you're aware what they are. You may have a better sense of what you want, what you like, what you like to give, and what you like to receive, because usually people prefer to give and receive in the same language. That's how they recognize it. But the question then needs to become, how do you engage in the explicit conversation with someone at home or at work with regard to the gifts? How do you ask them? How do you tell them what you need or what you want or ask what they want in order to feel appreciated, to feel acknowledged so that the intention and the gift itself are accurately received and appreciated? When in doubt, just don't overthink it. Ask a basic question. You can be a little bit more what I like to call metacognitive about it, which means talking through your thought process. Let them know what you're thinking, why you're asking. So sharing something as simple as, you know, I just want you to know how grateful I am for this, or I want you to know that we appreciate these kinds of things, or we love you and we want to celebrate your birthday or this anniversary, et cetera. What would you appreciate most? What would make you happiest? And then maybe give multiple choice. Would you like a fancy pen or notebook for your desk? Would you like a bracelet or a watch? Would you like a gift certificate to dinner? Would you like us to go to dinner together? Would you like to have a chat with this? Would you like me to introduce you to somebody? And frankly, you can also give them the option of nothing. Would you rather just, okay, I've already said this and that's enough and you really actively don't want, don't just say you don't want anything else. I'm being open with you. Please be honest with me. What would make you happy? What would make you feel honored, respected, loved, appreciated, acknowledged, whatever word you want to use? So just by way of a kind of a different example, this is also a conversation that you can have when trying to help someone who's having trouble. So for example, recently a very dear friend's mother died, sadly from COVID. And uh, you know, she lives a little far away, so I wasn't able to get to the funeral. And I just always feel like I want to do something. I hate feeling helpless. I hate feeling useless. When you know people are, are suffering, they're sad, they're mourning. You know, I can't even bring soup. I can't bring a breakfast tray or something uh, because they live too far away. So my love language kind of feels like I don't know what to do. The help me help you. So I sent her an email. And all I wrote was two or three sentences. And I said, whatever you need, feel free to reach out. Whether it's a weird request or you need to vent to somebody who's not family or not work-related, or you just need somebody else to babble to you about anything other than family or work as a distraction. You need to be distracted for a little while. Or whatever it is, just say the word. 
And for that matter, that also includes space. So if you just want to be left alone, say the word and I won't ask again. You can come to me at any time in the future if you need something else. And I left it at that. And she wrote back to me and she said, thanks so much for asking. Actually, and she just told me about how work was getting overwhelming. There's a lot of stuff happening that she didn't have the bandwidth to handle in conjunction with the emotional overwhelm of the loss of her mom. And she mentioned that she was feeling some challenges engaging with the board and her discomfort when she had to have meetings with the C-suite because she's not part of that world per se. So she didn't really feel comfortable. She didn't feel like she fit in. She wasn't really sure of her role or how to navigate those meetings. She didn't ask a question. She just sort of expressed that. Actually, that's not true. At the end, she actually wrapped it up by just saying, if you have any thoughts, I'm open. Woohoo! Right in my wheelhouse. That's perfect. I mean, what? who do I work with? I work with people who are frequently, I mean, that just described half my client base, people who are dealing with the C-suite, dealing with investors, dealing with the board, dealing with these high stakes groups and feeling like, how do I fit in? How do I connect with them? How do I get through? How do I do what I have to do? How do I have the influence that I want? How do I feel like myself? How do I find my place? All that kind of stuff. So I said, I wrote her back and said, have time to talk Saturday. Happy to talk you through it. And I'll listen and I'll listen with partially listening from the the friend lens and partially through the executive coach lens and see what kind of ideas I can offer. Would that be helpful? And she was thrilled because it was just, she didn't know who else to talk to about it. She didn't know what to do is kind of at wit's end and was just glad to have someone to share that with. Perfect. So that met my need to be able to speak my love language and of the acts of service and of course, overlapping with the quality time. And it met her need in the moment. And it was my acknowledgement of our friendship that I wanted to share. So, you know, where do you need to give a gift? For what person? For what purpose? When in doubt, ask. All right. So in quick summary, to give the perfect gift, how do we give the perfect gift? How do we acknowledge? How do we express that appreciation? Simple rule of thumb is to follow the platinum rule. Ask. Maybe you're going to send out a survey to your whole team and just say, hey, I'm trying to get a sense of who we are. What's our group culture, the individuals or collectively? Do we like parties? Do you want me to bring a cake when it's your birthday? Would you prefer just an email to the group as an acknowledgement? Would you prefer that I just say happy birthday to you privately? Or do you just prefer to not acknowledge that your birthday even exists? You're not a birthday person. Okay, whatever you want, tell us. So survey your team. Because what you're really trying to do is make sure that, you know, all decisions are founded on two sides of the coin, right? The goal of increasing pleasure or avoiding pain. So explain to them that you want to be sure that they receive something that makes them happy and frankly, that you don't do something that would make them uncomfortable. If they want to be acknowledged in public, great, you're happy to do so. But if that would make them want to crawl under the desk or run out the door, you certainly don't want to do that when you're trying to make them happy. So let them know what you're thinking. They are much more likely to respond. And also understand that once you identify what it is that they want, it may be in a love language that you're not terribly fluent in. Maybe you're just not somebody who was raised to give compliments or to say thank you 
or to acknowledge people publicly, that feels kind of fluffy, feels kind of touchy-feely, and you're not a feely, touchy-feely kind of person. So if they really want to hear you say that, it doesn't mean you have to write them a poem, but some sort of open acknowledgement. It may be a little bit of a stretch for you, a little outside of your comfort zone, a little bit of a learning curve. But that's what everybody's describing nowadays in every other environment, right? The notion of stepping into the discomfort a little bit, stepping out of your comfort zone, growing as a person, embrace the learning curve. And who knows, you may even learn to like it. And of course, if you're on the receiving end, bear the same issue in mind. When somebody gives you a gift and your first thought is, oh, I don't want that. Why would I want that? That's awful. I hate that. Don't allow yourself to go straight into the negative. Stop yourself and try to look at the intention behind it because they gave that to you most likely because they genuinely thought you would like it. Why did they think that you would have liked it? Probably because it's what they would have wanted if the roles were reversed. So make a mental note and give that to them next time. So in wrapping up, I have my own 24-hour influence challenge for you. I want you to ask someone, either on the phone or in person or on a Zoom call or in an email, I don't care how, but ask them what their love language is. Give them the five categories and see what they want or just ask them more open-ended, how would you like to be thanked, celebrated, acknowledged, etc. And for that matter, share yours. Share yours with them. I'm someone who appreciates this. I'm someone who is not comfortable with that. Don't hug me. Not a hugger. If you're not a hugger, okay. I'm a hugger, by the way. But if, if you're not, feel free to say, no hugs. Thanks. Keep your space. Do the dirty dancing thing, right? That this is my space. That's your space. There should be no intersection. Okay. And then from there, I want you to think about what it is that you learn from that conversation or that exchange as it evolves. I think you'll be surprised what you learn about yourself and about the other person and where it can take your relationship as a result. From there, beyond the 24 hours, I do recommend downloading or otherwise ordering and reading the book or books, The Five Love Languages or The Five Languages of Appreciation in the Workplace, Gary Chapman. And finally, I'm going to make an explicit request. I'm going to make a little shameless request here as for my birthday present. So you know how to give it to me. My primary language that I've shared with you is the acts of service. So what I'm going to ask you to do is to share with me what your favorite moments in the podcast have been, any aha moments, any big takeaways that you've had from whatever episode, it doesn't really matter, or frankly, anything else you'd like to share. It could even be a topic that you'd like me to cover or someone you would like me to interview. And now realize this is not about words of affirmation. I'm not looking for a compliment. I'm not looking for flattery. I mean, those are lovely. I'm not saying not to do that. <laughs> should, shouldn't the spirit move you, as the expression goes? But for me, the real gift in that is knowing that you've taken the time to bother doing it. Whether you sent me a two-line email, or you made a selfie video to send it, or you made an audio recording message and just recorded yourself saying it for 30 seconds and then hit send, that's really the gift, is that you've taken the time that you've bothered to go through the effort, one minute or less is perfectly fine, but you did it. And you chose to send it to me because you knew how much it would mean to me. So I'm going to ask you there, if you do choose to take me up on this invitation, to post your comments. If you are watching this video on YouTube, you can post in the comments there. 
You can post it on LinkedIn if you see where I've posted links to the episode under my own feed or other social media platforms. Feel free to comment on it. Or you can just email it to me at laura at speakingtoinfluence.com. Again, laura at speakingtoinfluence.com. And with that, everyone, thank you again for taking the time to listen in today. Be sure to subscribe if you have not yet done so, so that you never miss an episode. And of course, don't forget to give us a five-star rating on iTunes so we can help even more people increase their confidence, presence, and influence. And finally, of course, if you want to download my free guide to equipment recommendations for virtual influence, including my picks for microphones, lights, and more, go to speakingtoinfluence.com. I'm Dr. Laura Sokola, and you're listening to Speaking to Influence, communication secrets of the C-suite. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Laura Sokola, and I want to sincerely thank you for listening to the Speaking to Influence podcast. If you love listening to these episodes as much as I love bringing them to you, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And please go to iTunes right now to rate and review our podcast in order to help us expand our reach so even more people can master the three C's to command the room, connect with the audience, and close the deal. Thanks for listening to Speaking to Influence, Communication Secrets of the C-Suite, the show for leaders who want to speak with impact. The hosts, producers, owners, and media distributors of the show make no guarantees that the strategies and information discussed will result in profit or other success and may result in losses. The opinions and statements of the hosts and guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the owners, staff, managers, broadcasters, or sponsors of the show. No medical or psychological therapy or personal or professional wellness or relationship advice is offered in the show. You are advised to seek counsel on matters related to your health, family, relationships, job, or other business and legal matters from licensed advisors in those areas prior to making any changes in business or lifestyle. No information provided may be suitable in your situation. As always, take responsibility for the decisions and actions you take, including the reactions they may make in your work, family, health, and life.